weeks I'm going to be sharing on wisdom, getting wisdom. And, uh, you know, it's uh, something we all, we all need. And uh, one of the things I believe is we never get too old not to learn and, and to get more wisdom. You know, sometimes I think we may think we get to some kind of a place where we've arrived and maybe we don't need wisdom anymore. But uh, my observation is that we continue to learn and grow and, and to need wisdom. And sometimes we need a refresher course along the way. Um, the first scripture I want to share is Proverbs 1.7. Proverbs 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I believe it starts with the fear of the Lord. You know, to get his wisdom and to get wisdom, we have to understand who he is. And under, having a fear of God is not being afraid of God, but it's understanding who he is and who we are. It's having respect and reverence for him. And it's believing God is who he says he is, and God says what we need for us. And it starts with that. If we don't have that, then we're going to look other places for wisdom. You know, if, if the fear of the Lord isn't being wisdom for us, then we're going to look for other, other sources of wisdom. Other people, um, maybe things people say. You know, people always have interesting quotes on Facebook and on the Internet. You know, you can always find wisdom of all sorts on all kinds on the Internet. But we're talking about godly wisdom. Not that some of that isn't. Godly, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you find all kinds. But for the Christian, we need to understand the fear of the Lord is where we begin to find wisdom. And you know, it, it goes on to say fools despise wisdom. You, know, you think about it. We don't want to be in a place where we're foolish, where we despise wisdom. And you know, people that are like that are people who know it all. People who know it all. People, they don't need wisdom because they already know it all. You know? You know, sometimes we have children like that. And I don't want you to confuse something. I always thought about this, and I thought, you know, sometimes you have children who, you know, do you have children that so, no, I'll do it myself. No, I know how to do it. Leave me alone. At a very small age, they can express that. Those children are probably going to be leaders. They need that channeled and guided don't don't put it down, but just try to guide it and give it godly wisdom because that's a natural tendency to think, you know, for leaders to think they know it all, that I can do this by myself. I don't need your help. But as we get older, we don't want that same attitude to where we think we know it all, that we despise listening to somebody else. It says fools despise instruction. You just can't tell them what to do. You just can't tell them what to do. You can tell them. You know, sometimes you can tell a fool what to do, but they just won't listen. Not necessarily that you're right and they're wrong, but, but it's a matter of wisdom. It's a matter of godly wisdom. And fools, they despise instruction. So we want to never get to a place where we think we can't learn, that somebody can't help us, somebody can't show us something. You know, because I think if we, if we get that attitude... That really stops us then from getting godly wisdom. And a lot of times we need godly wisdom in various situations we come against in life. You know, for me, it's like you're always coming up against something different. You know, and you always go, Lord, I need wisdom in this situation today. I need godly wisdom. 
So we're going to talk about getting wisdom, listening to people, listening to people. You know, you can get wisdom by listening. You know, this, this whole proverb, a lot of it is a father talking to a son. You know, I believe children can get wisdom listening to their parents. Doesn't mean your parents know it all. You know, they don't know everything. They didn't do it all right. But you can get wisdom from them because they've been through some things. And hopefully they've learned wisdom. So we can get wisdom by listening to wise people. I think that's a something all of us should do. We can get wisdom, wisdom by reading God's Word. You know, Proverbs, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to study the whole book of Proverbs. You know, I'm going to look at some things in Proverbs. We're going to look at parts of it. But you can read the book of Proverbs and get wisdom. Get godly wisdom. You can get it. It's right here. It tells you how to live. You can get godly wisdom. You can also get godly wisdom from experience. Now, let me share this with you. That could be the hardest way. Could be the hardest way to get wisdom. Because how do you get wisdom through experience but by doing things going, oh, that wasn't good. That's how you get it through experience. You get it by going through something and going, wow, I could have done that better. Now, you'll get wisdom. And sometimes that happens and we all get it that way too. But I think if we're, if we're conscious about it, we can we can kind of avoid some pitfalls that young people and children can avoid learning the hard way, that they can listen to wise people. You know, one of the things that I think I notice, it seems like a trend to me nowadays is young people don't want to listen to anybody. They don't want to listen to older people. There's a tendency to think older people don't know anything. There's a tendency to kind of put older people aside in a lot of situations. But I believe that if we're, if we're careful, that we can learn from, from those places. We can avoid going through something, you know. And how many times have you given somebody advice and they don't take it and you go, well, they'll learn. Well, they'll figure it out. You know, well, yeah, they'll get wisdom. You know, it's just through experience. And sometimes nothing wrong with that. We all, we all go through that too. So I want, to share, I want to share some scriptures. I want to start with Proverbs. We're going to look at the sixth chapter, the first three verses. Now, I'm trying to, I went through and I tried to pick some things that I thought were real practical. Let me say, Proverbs is really practical. I mean, if you look at Proverbs, you go, okay, that says don't do this. And it's like, well, what's that mean? No, you know what that means. You know, it's very practical. It's right. You can understand it. Proverbs 6, the first three verses. My son, if you become surety for a friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Now what that's saying is, be careful and don't loan money. Don't be a surety. Don't be a, don't be a helping somebody with their debt. Don't be a surety. Don't, don't make yourself liable for someone else's debt. How do you become liable for somebody else's debt? Well, one of the easiest ways to do it is cosign. Put your name on the dotted line. Put your name on the dotted line for somebody. 
and you make yourself liable for someone's debt. Once you put your name there on there on whatever it is, you know, and the reason that I think this is dangerous, there's several reasons. One of them is you may be loaning them for something that they shouldn't really have. Think about it. You may be participating in something and helping them to get something that they really, for some reason, can't afford to get it on their own. There's a question why they can't get it on their own. Okay? And so we want to be very careful that we aren't helping them to get something they really shouldn't have in the first place. Or you may be helping them get something, obviously, that they can't afford. You know? Because they need your signature on the line, too, because they can't afford it. It's a good way to lose a friend. Because if you sign for a friend, what happens when that friend can't pay you back? What happens to a friendship when somebody can't pay you back? Well, several things can happen. Number one, the person that borrowed the money may feel guilty and they feel like they can't look you in the eye or they don't want to be around you. They, then they're not your, they don't want to be, I, they're embarrassed to be your friend. You can lose a friend because they're embarrassed because they can't pay and now they, they, don't, they just don't want to see you. They don't want to be around you. And so it jeopardizes your friendship. Number two, you, if you co-sign, you may be angry with them and that they can't pay. And so now you pull away from the friendship because you're mad because they can't pay you back. So now again, you've lost a friendship. You've lost a friendship. One of the things that I always say, if, you, if you're going to loan or co-sign for somebody, only do it if you can afford to lose it. You know, if you're going to say, well, I felt like I needed help. If, if you feel that, only do it if you can afford to just Give it away. And then it's, it's gone. You know, it's never, never do it if you have to get it back. Never do it if you, oh, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't get that back. Then don't do it. Don't do it. One of the things for young people is when you go to college or whatever situation after high school when you step out on your own and you get a room with somebody else, be very, very careful what you sign for when you get a room with somebody else. Let's say you got four of your best friends going to live in a, in a house, an apartment. Four of your best friends. Okay? The big question is, who puts their name and signs on the lease? Well, whoever does is responsible. So if your friends say, oh, I'm busy. Here, you just, co- you just sign for it. It'll be okay. Well, if you're the only one that signs, you're responsible. And I've seen young people do that where they signed and the rest of them maybe just didn't think about it or maybe they were smarter than you. I don't know if they was intent there. But if they don't sign, guess, who, guess who's responsible? Be careful where you sign and what you sign for. You know, what kind of agreements you come into, how you share for utilities and things like that. Because once you co-sign or sign you're liable you're liable and so have wisdom and what will young people say young people say but i can trust them they're my friend 
And those of us who are older say, oh, yeah, I've trusted a lot of those friends and I got stuck. You know, but when you're young and sometimes old, you know, we're naive, trusting. You know, we think everybody should or would pay us back. And we find out that that's not always the case. That's not always the case. So we want to be very, very careful about what we sign for, where you put your name, and be very, very careful about co-signing. You know, don't, don't sign for There's lots of reasons not to. And like I say, if you push come to shove and you, you end up feeling like you, you have to do it, if that's, if that's how you feel, then please remember to be willing to not get it back. That that's, that's an option. It goes on in Proverbs 6, down in verse 6, it says, Go to the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain. Excuse me. Yeah, that's right. Which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands in sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Sluggard. Who's the sluggard? Well, it's talking about lazy people. Lazy people. Lazy people who prefer sleep over work. When you all think about that. Wow, that covers a lot of people. A lot of people prefer sleep over work. You know? We look forward to the times we can sleep more than we look forward to the times we can work. We look forward to our days off, not that we shouldn't have days off, but look how much more we look forward to the days off than to the days we work. But it says, you know, that lazy people, they prefer sleep to work. I've noticed that. I've also noticed that lazy people have trouble getting up in the morning. Now, I understand there's morning people and night people, and some people can get up in the morning and some people, you know, I, you know I'm wired. I've always been wired, and I'll probably always be wired that I get up in the morning. I mean, I'm just, it's not that I get up so early. I mean, some people get up a lot earlier than I do, but when it's morning, I'm up. I'm up. And Mary says, he can wake up just like that, and I can. I can go from sleep to wide awake. So if you call me and I sound like I'm wide awake, I probably was just sleeping. You know, I can do that. I can just, I can just, I can wake up and function. Now, I understand we're all different. I understand we're all different. You know, I remember a saying, it's not, not biblical, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man health, healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, early to bed. There's something about getting up and getting going. There is something about it. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not saying when. I'm not saying what time you have to get up and get going. I'm just saying there's something about getting up and getting going. And we need to learn, it says, from the ant. What does an ant do? Well, it says he works and prepares for tomorrow. Now, some of you, if you thought back, I share a scripture a lot of times that says, don't worry about tomorrow, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Because the Lord will take care of you. The Bible says, also, if you don't work, you don't eat. So keep that in mind. Okay? You got to look at everything the Bible says. We're not to worry about tomorrow. We're not to worry about tomorrow. 
But it says if we don't work, we don't eat. And it says that we ought to be like the ant who prepares for tomorrow. So there is some preparation. There is some, you know, you go to work and you do your job because tomorrow you want a paycheck. And it kind of works that way. You know, you work and you do what you're supposed to. You save for what you need. You know, you save for what you need. The ant, the ant prepared. If you don't prepare, some people who don't like to prepare say that's just trusting the Lord. I say it's foolishness. Okay? Now, some people prepare so much they don't trust the Lord. They trust in what they do to prepare. But I believe as Christians we should, we should, we should prepare. We should work and, and have preparation because there's some realities, I believe, that we all need to look at. If you have budgets or you have a home or you have a family or however you're, whoever you're providing for, there's something that always comes up called an emergency. If you don't prepare for emergencies, you're going to be behind. Because guess what? In this day and age, the stuff you have is always breaking. And the stuff we have nowadays, they make to last only three or four or five years to keep the economy rolling. And that's where we're at. They used to make stuff to last 15, 20 years. You know, if you had a, you know, I'm, I'm a, I can remember, you know, you had the old freezer in, a, in the basement, and it had sat there for 30 years and just kept running. You know, those days are gone. You know, you buy them now, and they tell you, you better buy the warranty because it's not made to last. Those kinds of things. Okay? So, stuff is always breaking. So if you don't plan a little bit ahead and prepare, you're going to get behind because it's going to happen. Things change. Things happen. The opposite of that is what we tend to do in our society is we buy ahead. We buy ahead with money we don't have. See, now we have this other phenomenon that takes place. Now we can buy ahead with money we don't have to have. It's called a credit card. It's called a credit card. Nothing wrong with credit cards in and of themselves, but they've been the doom of a lot of people. Because the idea is that you just buy ahead with money you don't have, and somehow it's all going to work out someday. And then all of a sudden, we got this huge debt from buying ahead. And I always say, and all the stuff we bought is broke. It's, you know, we, we put it on a credit card, and we got it. We bought ahead, and now we have nothing to show for it because it all broke. And so we have what? We just have debt. We just have debt. And debt that's very hard to overcome because once you get behind... If you have just a normal, a normal income, like most everybody I would say here does, a normal income, you got money coming in, you work, you get paid, what's your source of paying an extra $10,000 all of a sudden because you got behind? What's your source now to pay a huge amount if you're ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000? I've heard, oh, I mean, I'm sure the story, I've, I, I've, been, a, I've been acquainted with as high as $40,000. You know, and once you get behind, what, what's the extra money that's going to pay for that? 
you know, and some people think they're going to win the lottery. You know, that's not impossible. Bob, Bob shared with us this morning, he had a cousin that actually won the lottery. A person that I heard actually won the lottery. You know, finally, after all this time, I heard of somebody that, you know, was kind of connected. You know, the point being, most of you aren't going to win the lottery. You know, now we can go into whether you should be playing it or not. I'm not even going there. I'm just saying, I'm just saying if you go there, I'm just telling you, you're not going to win. And you're not, that's not how you're going to pay your debt off. You know, because we know that we aren't making enough money to pay off what we've accumulated. We know that. And so we just have this big thing hanging over us. So like the ant, we should plan ahead. Plan ahead. If you don't have the money to buy it, you can't afford it. You know, you just, just admit you can't afford it. Tell your kids, just straight up, tell your kids, we can't afford that. Don't, don't lie to them and put it on a credit card and then buy them something that they don't need. Just tell them, we can't aff- if, that, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. If somebody wants to borrow money from you and you're, you're trying to pay your own debts, tell them you can't afford it. If you have any debt at all, you can't afford to loan anybody else. The only time you could have come close to loaning anybody money is if you've got a pile of money somewhere that you can loan them part of. If you're in debt, you don't have any money to loan because you're in debt. So you can honestly say, I'm sorry, I can't loan that to you. I don't have any money to loan. That's an honest statement. You know, so many times we don't want to admit the obvious. No, I can't. I don't have any money. No, we can't buy that because we don't have money for that. You know, we got money for food and clothes and these things, and this is what we're buying. And no, you can't have every toy in the store. And every time we go to the store, we don't have to buy you something. There are children, I think, this is an assumption, I think there are children who think every time you go to the store, they have to get something. You know, you just buy me something. And so what do parents do? Instead of training their children and disciplining their children, they just buy them something to keep them quiet. Because if they don't, the child will probably throw a tantrum that you don't want to see and embarrass you in the store so you go ahead and buy them something. Now, sometimes you got to go through stuff. You know, if you take a stand, yeah, you, the kids are going to push you, so it can be embarrassing sometimes. They're screaming, oh, well, I'm sorry, you know. And everybody's going to look at you like you're the meanest person in the world. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. You know, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Here's the harder even part. If you have the money, maybe you still shouldn't buy it. I admire people who have money who don't spoil their kids. That is a test. If you have the money and then you still don't let them have everything they want and teach them to work, teach them responsibility, teach them wisdom. That's, that's a tough one, you know. And I admire people who can do that, say, no, no. You know, now you can't use the no, we don't have money for that when you, you know, if you've got lots of money, then you can't say, well, no. You say, no, and here's why. You can teach and train your children, okay? But it's about wisdom. I think we need to be diligent to work. 
Work is a blessing. Work, work is a blessing. You know, it's a privilege to work. Employment is a blessing. If your employment isn't a blessing, find another job. Because they're out there. There's jobs. You know, it's like, well, you know, I was in, I was one time in a situation where work was hard for me. Work was difficult. The people I worked with were, were mean. And it, it, it was hard. And I finally changed jobs. You know, that's okay. That's okay if you're in a situation that's, that's not right for you or it's hard for you or, or you know, now, just because work's hard don't mean you should change jobs. But, um, you know, if there's, if there's real reasons out there that you need to, then, you know, look, change. Don't just quit. Here's my advice. Don't just quit. Now, you could, but your wife might not be happy. You know, that's what I found most of the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Um, now, if they're naive, <laughs> no. Um, we both were pretty naive sometimes. But, but, you know, we need to, we just need to see what's our attitude towards work. That, you know, it is a blessing. You know, you can say it's part of the curse, but yeah, we're not in the Garden of Eden no more. So it's what we do. You know, it's what we do. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing to work, to use our hands, to use our minds, to do things, to do things, to do what God's called us to do. You might not see what you do as a call that's a plan from God, but, you know, it is. It is. I believe, I believe we have opportunity, whatever it is, to do what God's called us to do. So I think it's important, and, you know, in these, in these practical ways, we're going to continue next week talking, talking more about practical things, about wisdom. How does it apply to our life? How can we share wisdom with our children? How can we help them to have wisdom? You know, Proverbs is a great study. It's a great place to use for, you know, sharing tidbits with your children. Give, give them, help them to have wisdom. So let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your desire for us to have wisdom. Lord, you don't want us to be out here just floundering around, but you want us to be able to attain godly wisdom. Lord, you give us your word. You give us people around us to share wisdom with us. Lord, help us to receive that. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us, Lord. Just uh, pray that you continue to guide us and uh, just help us to be faithful as we raise our children. Just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a need for prayer, we encourage you to come up and uh, let the prayer team pray with you over here. Um, stop back at the table, and uh, if you've got any questions for Katie, she'll be glad to answer them all. So. God bless you.